1 Corinthians 12 and 1, Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated. I don't have a title. Um, I can I can think of a bunch of them, but they all contain the word ignorant, so I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> so we're just going to say we're going to talk about the spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Spirit tonight. This will be more of teaching, but I believe that good teaching builds good churches. Amen. The church at Corinth... <clears throat> you study it out, it'll make you feel better about yourself because it was a bunch of carnal people. It was the most gifted church that Paul addressed. Paul said that they came behind in no gifts, no gifts, but they had a whole lot of flesh. They had a whole lot of problems. In fact, I think if you read First and Second Corinthians, you'll find, my opinion, more instruction given from Paul about spiritual order than any of the other epistles because he was trying to bring the pendulum back to center because it was not where it needed to be. I've been in wild churches. I've been in churches I wondered who was in charge. Just wild. And you've heard me say before that strong churches have a balance of word and spirit. I've been in them where they could sing and shout and buck and snort with the best of them. But they just didn't want to sit and listen to the word. And then I've been in some of them where they love the word and you couldn't blast them with dynamite out of their seats. Both are two extremes. And if we're going to be a balanced church, you got to have the willingness to move with the Spirit, such as what happened tonight, what happened on Sunday night. But you also have to be able to sit down and say, okay, we need some food. We need some Word. We're begotten by the Word. We're fed by the Word. There's times, and I, I don't think you've thought this, but I want to explain myself. There's times in a service where you can feel that it's starting to die down. you got to be willing to feel after it. And there might be a cluster that are still romping and stomping and going with it. And I don't want to hinder that. But we can't have 175 people watching four for an hour. When there's hungry sheep. So there's nothing wrong with me asking them to go pray. I'm not killing their prayer. I'm not telling them don't pray. Go back there to that PI room and still stay plugged in while the sheep feed. Because if you go too many services without the word, it makes for carnal sheep. So that's why I do that at times. It's not to, I'm not disregarding what they're doing. I'm just trying to make sure that the rest of the flock gets fed because not everybody's bucking and snorting. Paul says, I would not have you ignorant. In other words, y'all are ignorant, and I'm trying to help you. That's what Paul's trying to say. And then this is what he says. 
you know that you were Gentiles, carried away under these dumb idols even as you were led. Gentiles were the dumb idiots. That's all of us. And Paul's saying, you know you're an idiot. I'm trying to help you and bring understanding of what all of this is about. See, power without knowledge is dangerous. If I went up to, to let's see, Annalise, and I said, here's the keys to my truck. You just take, you use it like it's yours. I gave her power, but she lacks knowledge. And a blessing before the right time is not a blessing at all. That's why God can't give people gifts before the timing. It's because it will hurt instead of help. They become careless with the gifts. And so that's why you don't have a 17-year-old operating in all nine gifts of the Spirit because God knows they can't handle this. They can't handle it. Power without knowledge is dangerous. And so Paul was trying to give knowledge to accompany the power that they were operating in. Many people have power in zeal, but they lack the knowledge to use it correctly. I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm not embarrassing anybody. How many people have ever felt at some point in your life that God was trying to use you in one of the gifts of the Spirit, and you didn't do it? Okay, there's a lot of people. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. You had zeal, but you lack knowledge to match your zeal. And so what happens is when we don't have knowledge to match our zeal, we withdraw. Because here's why. This is what we think. What if I'm wrong? That's the biggest killer to people operating in the gifts. That's just me. That's what we tell ourselves. That's not God. Not God. That's just me. When, I, when God was teaching me to flow in the interpretation of tongues, I had this test that I did. This is just me and God. I'm not telling you this is what you should do. This is just me. I'd be feeling it. In fact, it got to where at the beginning of service, a sentence would come into my mind that was just weird, like, what in the world that's got to do with anything? And all through the service, that sentence would be in my mind. And then somewhere in that service, tongues would go forth. And boom, there's the sentence. And I knew that God was giving me the, had given me the first line of the interpretation. And I'd been sitting there harboring it the whole time. See, we want the whole paragraph. Don't give me four words and tell me to step out. I want to know what I'm saying. But that's not how God works. If you can step out on four words, God will give you the paragraph. And so what I would do when that first tongue would go forth and I'd, forth and I'd be seeing that line, I'd be going, mm, I don't know about this, God. I don't. You know, you got this inward struggle where 30 seconds feels like 30 minutes. I'm just being real with y'all. Is that okay? And so I'd go, Okay, all right, God, here's what we're going to do. 
Like I'm telling God the plan. Okay, here's what we're going to do, God. If this is really you, let there be another tongues go forth, and I'll know. Sure enough, there's another one. <clears throat> I should have made it harder. And I'd be committed. And I learned that if I could just open my mouth and say those four words or however many words it was, the rest would just start flowing. Didn't know where it was coming from. Didn't know if it made sense. Didn't care. I was ready for it to be over. And as soon as it left, it would feel like all the, all the strength would drain from my body, and I couldn't tell you a word of what I said. But you, you don't start out right there. You have to learn how God deals with you because how he deals with you and how he deals with me may be different. You learn how God talks to you and how God moves through you. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes to pick up on what he's trying to say and what he's trying to do. But people don't lack desire. They lack knowledge. We have desire. We just lack the knowledge. They want to be used, but they stifle it because of fear. It's evident by the nature of Paul's writings that the gifts of the Spirit within the Corinthian church had been abused or misused. So listen to what I'm going to say. Anything divinely created and inspired, placed in the hands of men, is subject to error and misuse. The gifts of the Spirit don't have to be forced to work. They are the gifts of the Spirit. They're not the gifts of the people. So when the Spirit's moving, the gifts are moving. And I have found in my travel that when you have a pastor that will flow in the gifts, the church flows in the gifts, visiting preachers flow in the gifts, but when you have a pastor or a leader that does not flow, it is hard for people to flow in the gifts. There was I could take you to churches right now, right now. When I would walk through the door, there was one church I'd always come through the back corner door, and I'd come all the way down the, the aisle on the side. And it, it was probably twice the size of this church, and I'd stand right over there, and when I started looking across, it was just like boom, 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 boom. I just start seeing everywhere. I mean, just every time. Then there's churches I'd go through, and I wouldn't see a thing. And there for the longest, I'd be going to prayer saying, God, what's wrong with me? God, what's wrong with me? I can go to that church over there, and I can see everything. I can go to that church over here, and I don't see a thing. And when I finally realize it has nothing to do with me, it's all governed by the head. And if the head doesn't flow liberally in gifts, the church doesn't flow liberally in gifts. Does that make sense? And so God established the fivefold ministry to help regulate and govern the church. 
and the pastor, it falls upon him to govern the gifts of the Spirit in the church. Because if I wanted to, I, it could just be a free-for-all. And everybody start going reading each other's mail. Everybody laying hands on everybody. Everybody trying to cast out demons out of everybody. And so the pastor has to govern everything that happens. This is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 40, let all things be done decently and in order. God does not like chaos. Chaos is not from God. Confusion is not from God. God has things in order. All right? So Paul continues. He says, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administration, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. So I'm going to break that down for you. There's diversities of gifts. There's nine gifts, but they all come from the same Spirit. They're a manifestation of the same Spirit. Then it says, differences of administration, but the same Lord. Administration means people will govern the gifts differently according to that church. One pastor may govern them one way. Another may govern them another way. They administrate. They govern. Then it says there are diversities of operation. But the same God which worketh all in all. Brother Brandon may operate differently in the gifts of the Spirit than I operate. But that doesn't mean he's wrong and I'm right. Or I'm wrong and he's right. It means we do it different. But it's the same Spirit that does it. I, I, I've only met a few people. I stopped saying how God talked to me because I felt like I was just crazy. Nobody could understand. I'm a visual. God knows that for me to see it and be confident enough to say it, I have to see it in my mind like I'm watching it on a screen. And that's how God has to talk to me. But that doesn't mean he has to talk to you that way. I know people that they feel things in their feelings. And I very rarely am moved upon my feelings. In altar working, yes, I am. But I know people that can walk by and just start feeling things. I know a man that's used in the, in the gifts of healing, and when he's praying for somebody, God makes him feel the pain all over his body. Wherever they're hurting, he'll feel that pain in his body. If it's a back, he'll feel it in his back. If it's a kidney, he'll feel it in his kidney, and so on and so forth. I wouldn't know what to do with that. I'd be thinking somebody was using a voodoo doll on me. I started hurting in different places like that. So there's different operations, but it's the same God that does it. Then he says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given, and he gives us the reason. Here's why it's given. To profit with all. The gifts are not meant to embarrass. They're meant to edify, to profit, to make the church better. So what happens is 
when God is going to use someone, very rarely, I'm not going to say never because I'm not God, but very rarely will a person wake up and all of a sudden be fluent in how to operate in that gift and be just used all the time. That's not how it works. Usually, when God's going to use someone in a particular manner, he'll give them a little preview. Boom. And it may be six months, seven months. Boom. Again, little by little. It's like crawling, walking, running. It's a process. You don't just hop up and take off running as a baby. There's a process of of maturity that has to happen. And so it is with spiritual growth. The Bible says, But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. The key verse I want to point out is verse 11. It says, dividing to every man severally as he will. Only God determines who operates in what gifts. Only God. Only God. Because God understands the nature of the body. And if if everybody in here, if God said, okay, I want everybody in here, you're going you're gonna to be gifted in, uh, in tongues, diverse kinds of tongues. We'd have everybody given tongues and nobody given interpretation. If everybody here had the gift of faith, there'd be nobody left that needed a miracle in here. If everybody operated in, in prophecy, all we'd be doing was prophesying. So God says, okay, I have, it's got to be like a patchwork quilt. I understand that some are the feet, some are the toes, some are the fingers, some are the ears, and I have to mix things up how I see fit for that body to operate most efficiently. So God decides... Who operates in what? And you have, to, you have to understand, if you're going to try to exercise your faith, you will mess up. Welcome to the club. Everybody's messed up. Anybody ever pray for somebody and they didn't get healed? Did you stop praying for people? No, you don't. Because you're stretching your faith. I remember I had a, we were praying one time for a man in our church who was in a wheelchair. And in the middle of that, we were all gathered around. I had a young man in my youth group, probably about 14 years old. He just shouted out, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. The man sat there. And the boy was devastated. Devastated. And he came up to me afterwards. I really thought, I really thought. I said, hold up a minute. I'd rather deal with one who tried than a bunch that are just going to sit there and do nothing. I said, so you, had, you ought to be proud. You had enough faith to do what you did. 
while everybody else watched. Don't beat yourself up. We beat ourselves up. Listen to me. I was always afraid when I was starting operating the prophetic that I was going to be a false prophet. I don't want to be a false prophet. I don't want to be a false prophet. And I realized that there's a difference in a false prophecy and a false prophet. There's a difference. One is identity, a false prophet. The other, God's got grace as you try to stretch your faith to say what you feel in the spirit. He's got grace for it. God always gives grace to match calling. And when he's calling you to stretch your wings and to try, there's going to be enough grace there to match you trying. And so have there been times I missed it? Absolutely. But not on purpose. Not on purpose. I've never went up to somebody and lied to them. And the deal is, as you you stretch your wings, you're going to learn to hone in tighter and tighter and tighter. It's like like the radio. Y'all don't know what radio is. With the dial. Y'all remember? And eventually, you heard something. And then you start, okay, okay, okay. There it is. Don't move the antenna. It's right there. And that's what it is in the spirit is you have to learn to work the dial to where you can get honed in on what God's trying to say. And when you learn how he talks to you, it becomes easier and easier. So just for the next however long I take, it's not going to be long. I want to go over just a few gifts of the spirit. The nine gifts can be divided into three categories. There's the revelation gifts, which is the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the discerning of spirits. The speaking gifts, which is diverse kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Power gifts, which is faith, gifts of miracle, gifts of healing, and the working of miracles. So let's start with the revelation gifts. And by no way am I going to do justice to fully extrapolate everything that these gifts involve, but I'm going to touch on them just for a few moments. To understand the word of wisdom, you first have to understand the word of knowledge. The Bible does not say the gift of knowledge. It says the word of knowledge because the Spirit can impart words of knowledge which are facts from God about people, things, events, or places which you could not possibly know unless God told you. Usually, a pastor sees it and hears it, but can't speak it. But an evangelist who comes in that doesn't know anything and operates in that, can speak it because he doesn't know anything. If you notice, I don't operate in the word of knowledge much in public here because I'm limited because of how much I know. And if I have knowledge in my mind about people,
people. I will not say something because people are going to say, well, so-and-so told him. Won't say it. If I leave here, I'll operate in those gifts, but not here. But an evangelist, when I was evangelizing, I didn't want to talk to the pastor about church. Let's talk about everything other than church. And I would come in at church time, and I wouldn't fellowship with a bunch of people because I didn't want somebody telling me anything about anything. I wanted to be able to preach and flow exactly like God wanted me to flow because that word of knowledge, God can speak things. Now, there's times, there's times, y'all, nobody's going to want to talk to me after this. I know it. And I'm not trying to. I'm just telling you how the gifts work. I'll use Sister Jane because we know everything's all right with Sister Jane. But there's times I'll be talking to someone and, and I'm looking at them, but then I'm not looking at them because I'm just starting to see. And God's showing this is going on. This is happening. You need to know this is happening. And I just tuck them away because that's knowledge that I may need down the road. And I've learned that just because you see it doesn't mean you have to say it. Just because God shows doesn't mean you, he, he may be showing you something to pray about it. He may be showing you something to, and let me tell you how I learned this. I was at a place of business one time. We used to have a feed store. And I was leaning up against the counter. And to my left was a double door that we kept open because it wasn't air conditioned. We had these doors was open. And then we had a set right here that was open. And so the sun, you couldn't tell who was coming in the door until they got closer. And I was leaning up against the counter, and I looked over, and I saw two Pentecostal teenagers, probably 19, 18, 19, somewhere around there. And I could see long skirts dragging the floor, and I knew they were Pentecostal. I couldn't tell who they were at the time. And I saw silhouettes, and when I saw their silhouettes, the thought went through my mind, they're homosexual. And I just was like, what? What? No. Look at them. And when they walked up, I knew them. And that thought just kept going in my mind, going in my mind. And I was like, hmm, hmm. Well, I wanted to tell somebody. That's not the kind of thing that you just go tell people. But I did. Ask me how I learned lessons. The lessons that stick the most hurt the most. So what did I do? I went and told one of their relatives. Hey, bad choices make great stories. And that relative got upset. I said, I mean, I just thought I was just super spiritual. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord. But you know, Brother Boo, what I learned? I learned to keep my mouth shut because God doesn't want us saying everything we're seeing. And I told her, I said, you write it down. 
is going to happen. And she got upset. But you know what? It happened. It was just a couple years later, and they ran off together. So I wasn't wrong in my word of knowledge. I was probably wrong in how I handled it. But I was kind of like Joseph. All Joseph did was tell what the Lord showed him. But I bet you Joseph was wishing, why did I even open my mouth? But anybody ever been around somebody and you just had a thought cross through your mind about that person and then you live long enough to see it happen? Word of knowledge. Word of knowledge. It's something that comes into your mind that only God knows. I'm not talking about so-and-so told you no. I'm talking about a weird, I've, I've been walking, I've been walking uh, right past people before and God, just thoughts come through my mind and I just step back and go, that's weird. Never said a word, Brother Grayson, but it's the word of knowledge. If you'll tune your mind in, God will speak to you and give you a heads up on things. How, how many heard Ananias and Sapphira? Acts chapter 5. How did Peter know they held back on God? Word of knowledge. Word, there are times when God gives you a word and you hold on to it. You just hold that card. You don't play that card. You hold that card. How many parents have felt like your kids were doing something? You couldn't prove it. You had nothing to go on. But you had knowledge. Word of knowledge. See, the gifts of the Spirit, we make them some mystical thing. They're designed to be used every day. Practical things. God will give you that word of knowledge. I heard a story about a man of God one time who passed a city dump. And the Lord told him one day there's going to be a beautiful highway come through here. You know what he did? He bought the dump for nothing hardly. Because he had a word. And he made a nice little profit when the day came off of what he saw coming. The word of wisdom, once you understand the word of knowledge, how it works, then you can use understand the word of wisdom. Wisdom is knowing what to do with what you know. It's a divine solution. For instance, when Elisha received the facts concerning Naaman, he knew what to tell him to do. Go dip seven times in Jordan's muddy water. That's the word of wisdom. Who would think of something like that? But it was the word of wisdom. There's been many times when people pour their heart out to their pastor, and that pastor doesn't know what to do. But if he'll just listen to the Spirit, God will give him the right words at the right time, and it'll be the right solution. I'm trying to hurry because I'm, I'm only doing three. The last one right here, discerning of spirits. This does not say gift of discernment. There is no gift of discernment. There is the discerning of spirits. This can oftentimes be confused with the word of knowledge. It's two different things. The Bible says try the spirits and see if they are, if they are of God. Discerning of spirits, you can literally get around people and pick up on their spirit. If you're sensitive, you can feel what's attacking them. 
There's times when I'm going through the altar and I'll start praying with someone and if I start getting really angry, I know they're battling anger right now. And I know how to pray. If I start feeling heavy, they're weighed down. They're battling weight. If I start weeping, they're battling something that's just they're so sad. It's the discerning of spirits. If you'll be sensitive when you get around people, when you, now don't be, not every, there's not a demon behind every tree. Okay? There's some people you think possess that's not, and there's some that you don't think they are, and they probably are. So you don't want to, you got to use wisdom in how you handle the gifts and how you flow in the gifts. And listen to me. The gifts should never be used to try to make you look good. You missed the point. The gifts are used to profit with all. And so if the, if the goal is for you to get your glory, you missed it. And you don't have to tell people, I'm operating in the gifts right now. No, you flow in them. You don't have to tell anybody you're doing anything. You just flow. If I said half of what I saw, Brother Black, I'd be in this church by myself because people wouldn't want to even come talk to me. It's not about that. You just learn to flow because the gifts are not just to be used in here. The gifts are for you to go out and to operate in them, and to touch people. Hey, I can tell you of a man right now that walked into a city and went up to a total stranger that he never met, told him exactly what kind of spirit he was possessed with, and by the word of knowledge told him the exact details of everything he was doing. Somebody that he had never met. You can use the gifts outside of these walls. You just got to overcome the fear of being wrong. You say, well, what if I pray for somebody and nothing happens? Well, what if you pray for them and something does? What if God gives you a word for a person, at, I mean at the right moment, they are needing that word, and you're too afraid? Stand with me. I'm closing. I know I've told the story. I think I've told the story. I was praying at, at a church. I was working the altars. And when I don't know what to pray in English, I just pray in the Spirit. And I went up to that person. or I, I, went, I finished working the altars, and a lady came up to me, and she said, Brother Stevenson, thank you so much for praying for me. She said, you prayed the exact answer that I needed to what I've been praying for. And she began to tell me what I prayed. And I told her, it probably wasn't the right way to answer the question, but I just told her, I said, ma'am, I didn't pray that. She said, oh, yes, you did. Yes, you did. It was your voice, and you prayed. And she said it again. And I said, I don't think I did. And she, 
I could tell how she was getting kind of pushed back. And I know, I know it was you. I know. I said, okay, well, well, I'm thankful the Lord answered your prayer. But I was, I was bewildered, Brother Brandon, because it was I, I I'm pretty good when I'm praying at the altars. I'm pretty good at remembering some of the things that I say, and I did not say anything that this woman heard. And so I'm driving down the road, and I'm weirding out. You know, I'm just like, oh, what happened? And the Lord spoke to me and said, you did say that, but you didn't say it in English. But I opened her ears so she would hear it in English. Is that even a thing? Like, what? What? And I said, God, is that even, how, how does that even work? And so I was watching a YouTube clip of an uh, evangelist wife that was giving an interview telling their story. And she said they had been wanting a baby. And they were praying for the right time to have a baby. And I think they were having some complications. But anyhow, they were at this church. And she said, I was standing right here in the front. And she said, a little old lady come from the side. And she shouted all the way up right in front of me. And she stopped. And she screamed, God's got your baby. God's got your baby. And then she took off shouting again. And she said, oh, okay, God. Okay, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. But the miracle was this. The woman couldn't speak English. And she had been praying over there. The Lord told her to go tell her, I've got her baby. And she kept saying, God, I cannot speak English. She could only speak Spanish. And the Lord said, if you will get up and go over there and say it in Spanish, I'll make sure she hears it in English. And when I heard that, God said, see, I can do that. And I realized that that was what happened that day. I got, that woman did hear me saying the words that she needed. I just didn't know that's what I was saying. See, God, all God needs is a willing vessel. I learned that God does not need your mind. He just needs your mouth. We've got to get over this fear of what if I step out and nothing happens? What if I'm wrong? You've got to get over all of that and realize that God will give you the grace to mess up. As long as he sees that you're trying, to do what he wants you to do. Amen. Let's lift our hands and thank the Lord. Father, we 